The title is Bitter or Better. <clears throat> when difficulties strike, when tragedy strikes, we're always faced with how am I going to react in those situations? Will people around me see a child of God, someone who claims to be a believer, not acting as she should. Perhaps she's angry, uh, maybe looking for payback, harboring unforgiveness, mad about the circumstances, you know, the why me attitude, how come not them? So in a word, that is being bitter about the situation. Or will people see a child of God that even though the circumstances are really difficult, they still have this the sense of peace about them. Not that you have to be, you know, jumping up and down saying, you know, yay, 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 you know, all this terrible thing, all these terrible things are going on. But do they see something that the world doesn't understand so that they would be drawn to the Lord? So today we're going to look at the mother-in-law of Ruth, whom we studied last week. And we saw that Ruth was the model of kindness, wasn't she? And God rewarded her because of that. And she became the, uh, one of the, the ancestors of, of Jesus Christ, which is a pretty big blessing. However, Naomi took a little longer to get there. But I think that after all the blessings that she received, perhaps she got to that point where she didn't blame God anymore. And she surrendered her life to him. So... Before we get into God's word, let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this example of Naomi. Lord, we don't know why you've always put some of these, these, these ladies that struggle so much in your word, but Lord, I'm beginning to think that it's because it teaches us so many more lessons. When we see the struggles of other women in, the word of, in your word, I think we're able to apply those things to our own life. We see that as something perhaps not to do and that we want to do better. We want to be more pleasing to you. And so as we go through this amazing book uh, and this story about Naomi, would you anoint this time with your Holy Spirit? Would you speak through me, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, what do we know about Naomi? Well, in chapter one of Ruth, we find that she went with her husband and her two sons to Moab. And first she was widowed, and there's no real information about how Elimelech died. However, we do know a little bit more about the sons, Malon and Kilian. And that is found in the Targum, and you're probably saying Targum what? And so, okay, let me explain. The Targum is an Aramaic paraphrase or explanation, interpretation of the Hebrew text of the Jewish scripture provided by the rabbis in the course of teaching. So, essentially, it's like commentaries that we use today. Very similar. And so the Jewish people were great at detailed historical records. They loved their history. And so they wrote everything down in these Targums. And so what happened to these two sons? Well, we know that they married two Moabite women. And according to the Targum, the two men joined the Moabite army, which then went to war against Ehud. 
Now, remember who Ehud was. The first week we studied about Deborah, the judge. Ehud was the judge before Deborah. And it is assumed that the two sons died in that war. So let's recap what we've learned so far from last week into this week. So there was a famine in the land. And why is there always a famine in the land? It's God trying to get their attention, isn't it? Many times during the book of Judges, we see, and Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then he would bring the judge, the judge would straighten them out because he was like their spiritual leader. And then when the judge died, then they would do evil in the sight of the Lord again. And so we were, were at a, this point in time where the people had done evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord, as punishment, brought famine. And not only that, God allowed the Moabites to take over the Israelites. So because of the famine... Elimelech takes his family to Moab in hopes of a better life. Meanwhile, back home, the Israelites, as they always did, they cried out to God because of the famine, and that is when God sent them Ehud. And under the direction of Ehud, the people turned back to the Lord, and God in turn gave them victory over a battle to take their country back. In Moab, meanwhile, Elimelech and his family had integrated into the Moabite culture, allowing their sons to marry Moabite women, which was strictly prohibited according to God's law. Now, according to the history books, Orpah and Ruth were sisters. Not only that, they were the daughters of King Eglon, whom Ehud would eventually kill during the battle. So the plot thickens here, doesn't it? And it appears as though the two sons join the king of Moab's army and go to war. Of course, the speculation is that God passed judgment on the sons for fighting against their own people and that they died in battle. So what does Naomi do? Okay, so they, they go to Moab. She has two daughters-in-law, and her sons are now killed in war. And so she decides she's had enough of Moab, and I think I would too, and things, because things obviously didn't go quite the way her and her husband thought they would. And she packs everything up, tells her daughters-in-law that she's leaving, that they should go back to their families. Well, um, I can understand there probably wasn't much left of their family, seeing how they were actually princesses of King Eglon. So anyway, one of them decides she's going to go find some relatives to live with. Ruth decides to go with Naomi. We learned this last week. But what happens in that, that conversation to me is fascinating. We see the conversion of Ruth from a Moabite and all their pagan gods to her believing in the God of the Israelites. So she actually had a, a conversion experience. Listen to what Ruth said. Ruth 1.16, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So this is important because later on in the book, she marries Boaz. Boaz is a nice Jewish boy, 
And so was Boaz now in sin because he married a Moabite? No, because she's now a converted Jew. So that's a very notable distinction, isn't it? So now Naomi comes to her hometown of Bethlehem, and when the people see her, they say, is it really Naomi? Ruth, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 tells us, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has, excuse me, Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So let's break this down a little bit. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. So sorry if you're named Mara. I'm sure there's other definitions somewhere out there. So don't worry, you're probably not named bitter. But bitter means angry, hurt, resentful because of one's bad experiences or a sense of unjust treatment. Then she says that God made life bitter for her. In other words, it wasn't her fault, but God's fault. That's who she was accusing. But was it really? <clears throat> Let's look at what they did as a family. They were party to the disobedience of the Israelites towards God that God had to bring the famine in order to get their focus off of things and back on God. Okay, so they were party to that. And instead of staying and repenting and praying, they packed it, everything up and they moved to Moab. And while they were there, their sons married Moabite women. So we have like strike one, strike two, strike three. And then her sons go to war against the Israelites. So whose fault was it really? Did God's, God really cause all that calamity to come upon them? No, it wasn't him. It was their own decisions that had caused this. But he still had a plan, even though they were disobedient. So now Ruth is back in Bethlehem. She settled down. There are two widows, and widows have a difficult time making a living there. So the first real blessing, the real first uh, uh, touch of God upon their life was Ruth was willing to work. It didn't matter what she did. She was willing to work. And can you imagine? She was a princess, and now she's working in the fields in order to, to gather enough food for her and Naomi. And she wasn't afraid of that hard work. She had no pride left. And so and we, now she's working in the fields of Boaz, and we know how that story ends. But what can we learn from Naomi and her life? And the first lesson that, that I can find here is that Naomi and her family, they forgot God's promises, specifically God's prov provision. Even more specifically, God's provision by way of obedience. You obey me and I will protect you. Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 6 tells us, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. That's a pretty big promise. 
You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. So, okay, he said that twice now, didn't he? Your towns and your fields will be blessed, your children and your crops will be blessed, the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed, your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. What did they have to do here? What is the only stipulation? That they're obedient to God. So you do this and there won't be famines. I will make you great among many nations. So Elimelech and Naomi, they forgot this promise. They didn't obey. They didn't keep his promises and they didn't repent. Instead, they ran away trying to find a new life somewhere else. They forgot God's promises. They forgot God's commands also. So likewise, it seems like when everything is going wrong in our own lives, what is our tendency to do? What does our old sin nature want to do? Some of us want to run away. Some of us like to take matters into their own hands. Um, some say, you know what, if I just had a different job, things would be better. Maybe if I made more money, things would be better. If only I had a new husband. Okay, that's not me, I have a great husband. You know, but we say, if only, if only, if only. How about instead, when we're going through difficult times, maybe we should be asking, what should I do? What should I change about my life? Lord, what do you want me to learn during this trial, this tribulation? I know there's a lesson in here for me to learn. And just like the Israelites, we do have promises from God. And they're amazing promises. They're all throughout the word of God. But, of course, one, of the, the one that really pertains to this situation is found in Philippians 4.19, where it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice it says, need, not wants. I need a car, I don't need a Mercedes, okay? <laughs> so just remember that. So it's according to his riches though. How is that? Well, he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, his resources are endless. He can do anything. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. God can do anything. Never put God in a box. Never look at him the way we would uh, analyze a human being and what they can do. God is so far outside that. There's, there's no comparison. So always remember that. But what about this promise? Romans 8.28. We hear this one a lot, don't we? A lot. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That was the New Living Translation. But we listen to this verse a lot of times. But have you ever actually studied what it's being said here? Do we really believe that all things are going to work together for the good? Especially when you're right in the middle of the trial. Just as a tip, when somebody's going through a really difficult time, and you want to share this verse, which is good because it's God's word, right? It really helps if you can give a personal example. You know, I always looked at this verse as, you know, something that I memorized. You know, all things work together for the good, for the go those, you know, no, 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 no. And so 
always give a personal testimony that would truly encourage them along with it. This is how I lived out this verse. This is what this verse means to me, just as a tip. But anyway, the, 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 the question is, do you trust God enough to go through those terrible times knowing that it will work out together for the good because you love God? But of course, you're probably saying, well, good for whom? It certainly doesn't seem good for me when I'm going through my difficult times. You know, when I'm right in the middle of that horrible trial. But you know, always keep in mind that God sees the big picture. He's concerned about all of our lives, not just ours. He is looking after everybody. And that's like a mind blower. How do you, how can you do that? Well, obviously his ways are not our ways and he is so much bigger than we are. But we always must keep in mind that there is a purpose for it. Uh, I have a friend who, whose son was about the same age as my boys growing up. And when he was about six, seven years old, he was diagnosed with a inoperable tumor in his spine. It was malignant. It would eventually kill him. And he was always in pain. He had to go through chemo, radiation, operations. And, and towards the end of his life, he was, uh, he was bound to a wheelchair, basically, because he couldn't walk. Um, the, the tumor had killed all the nerves in his spine. It was just a horrible, horrible circumstance. And I was always amazed in watching her because she always seemed to have a peace about her. And even when it finally took his life, she sent out Christmas cards and she just gave this most beautiful testimony of how God just gave her so much peace. I mean, he was a sweet boy. You know, he accepted Jesus. You know, he was gone. He was sitting on Jesus's lap, and that's how she, she remembered him. You know, she always thought of him like that. And it was such a sweet testimony. And you see the people around her witnessed this. She didn't fall apart. She didn't get angry. She didn't get bitter. I'm sure her and God had a few arguments. I mean, what mom wouldn't, right? I mean, I would argue with them if it, that was my child. But you know what? She kept her witness. And that actually encouraged so many people throughout her life. Anybody that wanted to hear, she would give them the testimony of God's faithfulness. Even though her child didn't survive, she was, she was glad to tell them of, you know, the hope that she has, the hope that we all have in Jesus Christ. And... That, that was such a wonderful testimony. You see, God had her go through that knowing that she could, she could come through it in such a way that others would be witness to his, his kindness, his, his love and his hope. Isn't that amazing? See, on the outside, we just saw so much strength in her. And it was a beautiful thing. And the reason why, I think, is because she had that eternal perspective. She knew that it was worth it. It was worth it. The, the trial she went through was worth witnessing to other people. Always remember that uh, God has the bigger picture in mind. Does he care that you're scared? Absolutely. Hurt, of course. Mad? Yes. 
Never be afraid to talk to God and say, I'm mad. I'm mad. I don't like this trial. And you know what? He'll never judge you harshly. You know, he'll comfort you. And I love that. And you know what? You can gossip all you want to God. Isn't that wonderful? And then he straightened you out and said, you have a bad attitude, girl. And so, you know, but you see, it's, it's, it's a safe place. And always remember that. That's part of a good prayer life. You know, you don't have to always just, you know, God, this is, you know, this is what I want. Please, you know, be with so-and-so and so-and-so. He understands if you're angry, ladies. He really does. And you can go to him and say, God, I don't understand why I have to go through this. And you know what? He will comfort you. He will, he will give you insight into why you're going through the things. But you know what? He understands when you're sad. He does. I love what Psalms 56, 8 tells us. He says, you have kept count of my tossings. I love that. You're tossed. I, what I pictured here is when you toss back and forth in bed because you're worrying and fretting about things. He's kept count of those tossings, those sleepless nights. He says, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What does that tell you? He watches, he sees, he understands, he knows when you are sad. He knows when you cry. He's there, he understands. God greatly cares. And that is why he has given you so many promises. Don't forget them like Naomi did. But don't judge her too harshly. I mean, I'm not sure any of us could have gotten through that any better. You know, she went through a great struggle. She was very bitter. But you know what? God was faithful and he ministered to her. He brought her blessings at the end of her life. And this leads us to our next lesson. Does God bring tragedy upon us as Naomi stated? Does he do that? She said that God had done this to her, but it wasn't really his doing. You know, I look at tragedies as some that we cause and some that, are, that just come upon us through circumstances. Other people hurt us, uh, car accidents, sicknesses, those kind of things. And so we're going to look first at those difficulties that we create. And that is where Naomi is. She created these problems in her life, didn't she? By disobeying God and going to Moab and allowing her sons to marry Moabite women, allowing her sons to be in the army of, of the enemy and then getting killed in battle. And I think of God's commands. When God tells us don't do something, that's like, you stay in the center of my will, and it's like we have this bubble around us. And so anything that's inside that bubble, this is what God has planned for your life. And so when we disobey, it's kind of like we're no longer in that protective bubble. You know, we're going outside of God's will. We're making poor decisions. Um, that's bringing calamity upon ourselves. And as long as we're obedient, we get to stay in that safe bubble. And everything is for a purpose. Everything is for a reason. But this protection that we get inside this bubble, does that mean difficult things won't happen to us? No. I mean, look at Paul's life. He was fascinating to me because he was someone who was sick all the time. 
that doesn't say what was wrong with him. We do know that he had difficulty with eyesight. The speculation is that he probably had something like diabetes. And so he was sick all the time. And then towards the end of his life, um, he couldn't see very well. And so, you know, he had that going on. Then he was thrown into the most infamous prison ever. It's found in Jordan. One of his uh, prison terms was, was in this place. I forgot the name of it. But it was this horrible pit that, you know, you just had different levels and it got deeper and deeper and deeper into the earth. And if somebody didn't care for you, you just died in there. And it was dark, it was damp. And here's a guy that's in poor health to begin with. And that is where he's having to spend two years in. And yet he says, you know what? I count everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Isn't that amazing? So difficulties will come. It's how we deal with them is, is the, the true question, isn't it? You see, when we go outside God's commands his will for our life, then it just sets us on a wrong path. Can we repent and get back into God's grace? Absolutely. He's always there. We confess our sins. He's, in, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So all we have to do is confess it, and we're right back there. We're back into the center of his will. However, oftentimes we will sin and we'll have to bear the consequences of that sin. God allows that to happen to us. And why does he do that? Very similar to a parent that has to punish a child for doing something wrong. I mean, we've all had to, you know, take our cell phones, take the cell phones away from our kids or, you know, whatever punishment works for your child, you know, every child's different. But I know for mine, you know, no video games for one day. Ah, oh, the sky is falling. You know, that was like the worst punishment ever, right? But, you know, the reason why you punish your children is because they remember, right? So that they don't do it again. God's the same way. He's our heavenly father. And so he will punish, let us suffer the consequences of our actions just so that we learn. And of course, he's always there to comfort us through those difficulties. So what about the tragedies that are caused by other people, other circumstances, sicknesses, accidents, that kind of thing? I once heard a wonderful illustration regarding the difficulties of life. And this woman had this beautiful rug that she was holding up. And from the side I could see, there was just these tons and tons of threads hanging down. They're kind of matted and ugly. It just looks like this conglomerate of, of, of strings hanging down and at no pattern whatsoever. It didn't look pretty at all. And she says, you know, this is our life with all the difficulties that we have. We don't know why God has allowed these. We have no idea. But then she says, you know what? It's because we don't have the, the whole picture. God has the whole picture. And then she flipped it around, and what we saw was this beautiful, intricate Navajo rug. 
And I mean, this one was one of the most beautiful I'd ever seen. I mean, it had tons of different colors and squares and things like that. Gorgeous design. And so, see, that's the way our life is sometimes. We don't understand why we're going through those things. And then we turn it around and we see the big picture and going, oh, now I get it. Maybe we won't see the big picture. We won't know exactly the reason for our trial until we get to heaven. But there was a purpose for it. And just as a conclusion, with the, uh, with the rug, you know, at the end, they tie all the ends up and they weave them back in so that the front looks just as beautiful as the back. Very expensive rugs, by the way. I was in Arizona. It's not uncommon to see them like $30,000, $50,000. Amazing rugs because they take them sometimes a, a year or more to make. But pretty cool illustration, I thought. But see, that's the way our trials can be like. Our, our trials are sometimes like that Navajo rug on the wrong side. We can't see the design. All we see is a huge mess, but there's a purpose for it. You see, God is weaving everything into his eternal perspective. And he's working out his wonderful plans, even during those difficult times. Which leads us to our next lesson. When difficulties come, what is our attitude? Naomi didn't really have a very good attitude, did she? You know, I often wonder if people looked at her and said, is that Naomi? Because you know what bitterness does? Have you ever seen someone who was really bitter and they always had a scowl on their face, you know, and they always looked like they were mad? Well, you know what? As we get older, we actually will wear that on our face. You know, we get wrinkles, don't we? You know, I would much rather have, you know, little crow's feet from laugh lines, you know, or smiles instead of a frown, right? And so, you know, maybe that's what was going on, is that they looked at her and they go, wow, you know, what happened to her? But it was just, you know, it was because she was just so angry and bitter over what she perceived that God had done to her. But God allows trials and tribulations why does he allow it? Jeremiah wondered the same thing regarding the children of Israel and the way that they had to go through so many trials. And this is what God told him in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4. It says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. That's kind of weird. He goes, Okay. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. So what is God saying here? Well, in this case, the Israelites had made such a mess of their lives, they, he needed to kind of start over. And I've actually seen this on a potter's wheel. You know, they'll be making this, you know, a vase or something like that. And it just kind of gets off kilter and gets a little wobbly or something. And what they'll do is they go, okay, this is a lost cause. And they smash it down. There have been times when I have felt like a lump of clay that has just been smashed down. But then the whole point to being smashed down is so that God could start over and said, I want to make it something even more beautiful. And so then with his careful hands, you know, he creates a beautiful vessel. 
God had to remake the Israelites, and sometimes we need to be remade. In fact, isn't that what happens in our conversion experience? God gives us a new life, a new heart. Behold, all things are new. And then he continues to do that work until, you know, the, the day we go home to be with him. He can, that's his promise. And sometimes, you know, I don't think he's going to smack you down completely because there's a promise that he won't. But you know what? Sometimes he, he might need to, you know, trim off a little bit and add a little bit and stuff so that we, we become the vessel that he wants us to be. You know, oftentimes we are referred to as clay in the potter's hand. The question to be asked is, how can the clay tell the potter, okay, I don't like this. I don't want to be a beautiful vessel. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. I don't want to be remolded into something else. I just want to be a lump of clay or I want to be a lopsided clay. But you know what? God loves us too much. He's not going to do that to us. He wants you to be a beautiful vessel. Sometimes that takes going through difficulties and trials. Does he like it when someone hurts somebody else? Of course not. But the promise is that God can use that for his good. And he always will, no matter what. God brings us these, to these places so that we can grow in him. Those difficulties do bring us closer to him. The most, gro most growth I have ever had in my life has been through those difficult times, those difficult trials. I mean, exponentially more growth is during the trials. And it's not something that you should fear. I remember uh, years, I mean, going back almost 30 years, I used to fear this kind of, oh, you know, I don't want to go through trials. I kind of like, you know, being safe and, you know, I want to stay where I'm at. But I began to realize as I went through the trials and I saw his faithfulness time and time and time again, that I didn't have to fear those trials because he was always there to give me the strength, to get me through whatever trial he, he said I needed. Not what we want. It, it's all about what he wants, because what does he want? Only what's best for us. So never fear the trials. And we will get them. John 16, tells us, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What else do we need here? We will have tribulations, but God, Jesus, has overcome the world. It, you know, trials don't have to define us in the negative. Trials can define who we are in Christ, and that's important to remember. So what should our attitude be when difficulty comes? Will you show the world that your God is greater than the trial? Or will you be like Naomi and become bitter? Bitterness only causes continued bitterness. It's like a trap we fall into. However, when we trust in God during those difficult times, we show others that our God is real. And that's so important in this world today. Isn't it said that 
We should be spreading the gospel all the time, and if we have to, use words. Isn't that true? People look at our lives, our gospel that we believe in can be spread to others just by them observing us in our lives, even during the difficult times, even more likely in the difficult times, because they want to know that there's something out there that they can put their hope into. God has a purpose for everything he does. And that purpose is always good. I'll leave you with a great story. It's about a guy named Horatio Spafford. Yes, he was born in the 1800s, 1828 through 1888. And he had a lot of tragedies in his life. And I'll read this story to you. The first tragedies were the death of his four-year-old son and the great Chicago fire of 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873, at which time he had planned to travel to England with his family on the SS Vele du Havre to help with D.L. Moody's upcoming evangelistic campaigns. So he was a believer. In, the late change, in a late change of plan, he sent the family ahead while he was delayed on business concerning zoning problems following the Great Chicago Fire. While crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank rapidly after a collusion with another sea vessel. And all four of his daughters died. His wife Anna survived and sent him the now famous telegram that said, saved alone. Shortly afterwards, as Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write these words as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. And the, the words were, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And that is a beautiful song called It Is Well With My Soul. And it's a hymn that we have today. And I would read the whole thing, but it's very long and it's in the Old English. And I stuttered all over it this morning. So if you want to read it, you can, you can look it up. But you see, Horatio had that eternal perspective. He trusted that whatever reason God had for taking all five of his kids it must have been for a greater purpose. And this song has ministered to so many people. And can you imagine the witness that he had in the world? Millions of people have been touched by his story. When they saw his faithfulness to God, when he didn't lash out in bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. What a wonderful witness. And that's what I pray for each one of us that, you know, as difficulties come, that we don't say, God, why are you doing this to me? This isn't fair. And you become, don't become bitter. Instead, just say, God, I trust you. I know that there's a purpose and a reason in everything you do. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, there is so much to take from uh, Naomi's life. And I would ask, if anybody here is struggling 
with bitterness, Lord, from, from all the trials that maybe they've gone through recently or even something in the past that they are hanging on to. Lord, would you minister into their heart even now that they would recognize that they've let this bitterness take hold and it's been eating away at them. Lord, we need to look to you for everything because you do love us. You do have a wonderful plan for each one of us. And sometimes those plans do include trials and tribulations. Help us to look to you. Keep our eyes on you. Keep our eyes focused on you and never look away. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. need the homework lesson on Naomi if you do would you just raise your hand anybody we'll get it to you and my second question is anybody new here tonight oh way back there welcome <laughs> okay we're is everybody warm we're dressing for the winter now <laughs> our winter <laughs> anyway uh, Shauna's gonna join me and help me out so give her a woohoo <laughs> <laughs> All right. How's that, Shawnee? You feel good? Yeah. Hello. 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 You wanted to give a woohoo to them? Woohoo. Okay. <laughs> she is with us officially. Okay. So lots to learn about Naomi. Um, let's do this tonight. You don't look like you're sitting too far apart because of the warmth. So take a minute and think what Connie just shared, the, the lecture, and turn to somebody closest to you and just in brief, share what spoke to you most, and then I'll hop us into the questions. But I think sometimes while the lecture is fresh in our mind, it's good to say what stu stood out to you. And then the on-home audience will get something. Oh, okay. So, you got that? Oh. Okay. What stood out to you? And share? Um, yeah. What stood out to you from the lesson? Oh, what stood out to me? Yeah. You're oh, okay. just quietly going to tell the on-home audience what stood out to you. Oh, okay. While they're sharing out there. <laughs> I, what stood out to me would be just the, not to let bitterness take hold. And I mm -hmm. think especially in this day and age, mm -hmm. we can kind of relate to that mm -hmm. right now. And that, that bitterness, it can, if it takes root, mm -hmm. it can really um, turn you kind of like it did um, Naomi. Yeah. It, turn, it turned her, made her take her eyes off of the Lord yeah. and um, forget about God's promises. Yeah. And it, I like that part where it says it takes root. You know, yes. it isn't just that it just sits there, but it begins to go deep in your life and affect you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into the homework. If you would open your homework packet to page two, we're going to say the memory verse together. But before we start that, I'm going to have Shauna share with you what she just shared with the online audience because I thought it was 
Sweet and good. Uh, she just shared with them what stuck out the most to her about the lesson. Um, I was just thinking, you know, as we as I went through the lesson and then hearing Connie, it just we can't let bitterness take root, and especially in this day and time, we can um, we can if we take our eyes off the Lord, we can allow that bitterness to um, start to want to take anchor. But we can't do that. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord and um, not forget the promises that He's given us, even if. Um, even if it doesn't seem like or maybe even feel like it right now, you know, you go back to like our lesson before, you know, go back to what's true. Mm -hmm. Go back to God's word. Yep. Yeah. And uh, like she mentioned, I think earlier, too, is that it it it's, it takes root. Mm -hmm. It isn't just that it sits in your life or just something there it begins to go down into your very fiber and your very being. So it's a nasty weed, girls. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's so hard for me to grow a plant, but man, you look at my yard, I can grow weeds like nothing. No effort. We won't make any spiritual implication there. Let's move on. Okay, we're going to do the memory verse with Shauna. Help me before I sink. <laughs> All right, ladies, let's do the memory verse. Ready? Mm -hmm. Looking, Looking carefully, carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Hebrews 12, 15. Okay, read question one for us too, Shauna. Okay. Look after each other. In looking at the above memory verse. Oh, I'm sorry. In looking at the above memory verse, what does this root of bitterness cause in the life of the believer? Okay, look back up in that box and look right in there and see what it causes. It causes trouble. Okay, it's not any good. It's not going to bring anything good to you. Very good. Okay, Shauna, question number two, and then go ahead and read the scripture. Okay. With all this in mind, what does Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 tell us the remedy is to bitterness? Okay, before we actually read the scripture, let's re-remind ourselves, what are some other words for bitterness? You have to help me out and take that mask off and shout it out. Anger, Anger good. What else? A grudge. A grudge, holding a grudge, absolutely. Unforgiveness. Entitlement, good. Resentment. Ugly. Good slander. word, yeah. Slander. A, slander, a coldness. What else? Anything? Jealousy. You could get in there. It turns into that. Uh, disappointment. Maybe rage. Okay, so you got the idea. That's bitterness. And then, thankfully, we have God's word. That we don't, if we even display those qualities in ourselves, we don't have to stay there. God's word has a remedy or a prescription when applied to us can take care of these things that are making us uh, come out of us. Okay, so let's read the Ephesians scripture. You guys listen, and maybe don't even worry about a remedy. Just what does the scripture tell you? What's, what's the opposite? What's other words that are just the opposite of bitterness? Okay, Ephesians Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, 
has forgiven you. Okay. So what did you find out? So we, we listed those words, didn't we? Rage, anger, harsh words. Instead of that, what are we to have? You look in that scripture. Do you just tell me? Be loving. Kindness. Forgiving. Tenderhearted. Tenderhearted. Okay. And all, we're, who are we to imitate through it all? Jesus, just as Christ has been to us, we're to be to others. Not let this other stuff take root in us. I like this one translation. It said, make a clean break with all of it. And it listed the, the things we've been talking about. But instead, be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as Christ has forgiven you. Okay, so there's this, when uh, Connie talked about the lesson, she said we can be bitter or better okay so there's these two sides and they're they're you know the 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 war is the flesh versus the spirit right mm -hmm. if i'm going to be bitter then i'm feeding my flesh if i'm going to be better then i'm feeding my spirit that but we do have a choice which one we feed okay so for a minute i just want to say you know things didn't turn out in Amy, uh, naomi's life quite like she planned did it she had plans just like us how do you act when life is not going quite like you planned? Think about yourself. You, you, you know, you have plans or you think certain things are going to happen a certain way and they don't happen. How do you react? Lots of different ways. You're going to tell me. Charlene. She says first she breaks down, then she comes to her senses and turns to the Lord. what he's trying to teach her in this situation. Remember what Connie said in the lesson, you know, when we go through these things, we should ask that million-dollar question. You remember what it is? Lord, what is, is it, it you want, you me, want to me to learn? learn? What is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you want me to get out of this? Because we do not go through these trials. Naomi, Naomi did not go through that for nothing. God is allowing us to learn through that. Okay, how else do you guys act when you're, when things don't turn out quite like you planned? Marion. Okay, so your, your first response is sometimes frustration and anger, she's saying. But then when I stop and think about it, sum that up for me in a couple... Is this trial for, for me personally and God teaching me something, or is this trial because God wants me to display him to the world around me? Uh, good insight, Marion. Thank you. Anybody else? What happens when things don't go quite like you planned? All the way back there. Okay. <laughs> How many can relate? Amen. We complain to God, and then he straightens us out. Aren't you thankful that he straightens us out? Amen. Okay, mm -hmm. what else? When things don't go quite like you planned. Laura. Okay, she says you get scared, get hopeless. And you call everybody to pray. <laughs> yeah, and then a month later, a day later, a week later, whatever, you realize, what was I doing? Where was my trust? Who do we call on first? 
Jesus. Jesus. And sometimes, you know, it's hard. you got to catch yourself to say, oh, I'm picking up the phone or whatever, and I haven't even asked God. Uh, Laura, you were going to share something. She agrees with you also. Thank her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sadness. Things mm -hmm. just didn't quite happen like you had planned. What do you do with that sadness, Laura? Mm -hmm. The only place mm -hmm. you can go with it, give it to the Lord. Okay. Anyone else? So you get this idea here. Naomi thought her life was going to go, I think, a bit different than it did. And so she, in the midst of her time was um, a little bit disappointed, a little bit sad, mourning, weeping, who knows, all of it. <laughs> okay, let's look at uh, question number three. Shauna, you read that. Okay. It is said that contentment, gladness, charity, and unselfishness are the opposite of bitterness. Look up the following verses and note what they say about having godly attributes. Okay. Bitterness is not a godly attribute, right? So we're going to say what kind of attributes should be coming from us. So we're going to look at Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Shauna will read it. You guys listen for key words, and then I'm going to ask you. You can pick them right out of the scripture, and it'll talk about either what we're to have or not have, and you can pick either one. Go ahead. All right. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Okay, so what sticks out of that scripture to you? Either a warning or an encouragement. Don't be selfish. Yeah. Be humble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think of others before yourself. Why is that so important to think of others first? Jocelyn. This is reminding us, you know, why we want to think of others first, because who's ever last goes first and first goes last. Yeah, we're to put ourselves at the back of the line, so to say, and let God move you forward, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, what else sticks out of that scripture? Anything? Yeah, Charlene. It's such an opposite thing of what the world would do when somebody's hurting to look out for others instead of looking out for yourself. We've got to watch out how many what we take. Selfies. <laughs> you know, I think the world's kind of feeding that into us, huh? Sometimes it's like, no, it's myself isn't so important here. Okay. So let's stop for a minute and see how we can practically apply this lesson. What do, I, what do we focus on when life is hard? You're saying not yourself, right? Jocelyn told us that. So what do I focus on when life is hard? What helps you when you find yourself in these difficult spots? Doris. Okay, she's saying to, to make sure I'm like-minded with Jesus, line my thoughts up with his thoughts, because my thoughts are not his, his thoughts. thoughts. My ways are not... His ways. his ways. So we've got to take time to line our thoughts up with his. Moana. Oh, say that one more time for me. Oh, I love mm -hmm. it. Find someone else to bless. You think that's good therapy? Mm -hmm. That's a good remedy if you don't want to get swallowed up in yourself. 
I'll tell you a little story real quick about my mom. You know, every now and then I bring her up. So my mom was having like about her 89th or 90th birthday. She died just before her 93rd. But um, my, she had been a widow for a while, and she was uh, living in our big house that my parents had built with, you know, seven bedrooms, four bathrooms, the whole thing, all by herself. <laughs> and her birthday came around. And, of course, you know, we were going to do something with her, but it was during the day. We were all working and had plans and whatever. So pretty soon, you know, we all check in with my mom. We're trying to call her. Nobody can find her. So the big sister calls the other sister who calls the other sister who calls the brother. Everybody's looking for my mom. Nobody can find her. Well, she only has three places she goes. She gets her hair done. She goes to church, and she gets her nails done, <laughs> religiously, those three things. <laughs> And she wasn't at any of those three places, so we're like, now we're starting to worry a little bit. Anyway, she finally comes home. Somebody catches up with her. It's like, Mom, where were you? You know, you need to check in once in a while. And she said she was having one of those days. She was feeling sorry for herself. And so she got in the car, drove to the hospital that is not far from my parents' house, and she walked in, and these were pre-COVID days, and she said, who needs a visitor? Who's lonely? Who's sad here? And they pointed her to different rooms, and she went room to room These with total strangers and just made them happy. And she came home, and she said it made her happy. And then, of course, that night we did celebrate her birthday, so we're not all bad. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just have to take the focus off of you and put the focus on somebody else, right? And mm -hmm. good practical lesson. I mean, yeah, you can go to the Bible and read a verse, or you can sing a worship song, but sometimes you're just going to need to put your feet to the ground and do something that's godly, and that's one thing. There are many others. Anybody else have any other things that you employ or use to get the focus off of you? Anybody? Well, I just gave you a great one, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on from that one. Try it. Try it. And if it works, tell me, because I know it works. <laughs> All right, uh, Shauna, read Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Okay. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Amen. She's going to read that again, and what you're going to do is listen for things that will help you to apply to your own life, because the scripture is very practical, and then see what we come up with, okay? Go ahead. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, a lot in there. What instruction are you getting out of that? that will help you with life. Just look for key words, even in the scripture. Okay, be content. Absolutely. With whatever blessings the Lord has blessed you with. That also includes whatever he hasn't given you. Because sometimes we have to say, let me be content with that too. There most certainly probably is a reason why he didn't give it to us. You know, the Mercedes, he just knows. I, I would just probably get in another accident. So it's like, give her a, give her a, a scrap car. <laughs> Keep the Mercedes out of her hands. Okay, 
what else sticks out of that scripture? So definitely contentment. Yeah. It's something we learn. It's not something we're born with. How many times did that word learn get repeated? Anybody count them? At least a couple. Mm -hmm. I think three times for sure. So three times. So God says it once, we listen, right? Mm -hmm. God says it twice, we really perk up. And if he says it three times, it's like, snap to it. (laughs) This is important. Okay, so it's something we learn. We're not born with it. So what does that tell you? If you're a learner, what are you? A student. And what are you a student of? Jesus. Yeah, that's always the best answer of all. <laughs> but if you're, what are you a student of? God's word. God's word. Absolutely. You're a student of God's word. So you're a learner. You're learning. What is that? So is this an easy lesson or is this a hard class? Is this English 101 or is this calculus 508 or whatever? What do you think? Marion? It's a life lesson. It goes on and on and on. Yep. What else? Anybody had to learn this lesson? Yeah. Probably all of us, right? Okay, very good. Notice in that scripture there's a secret. It says, I have learned the secret of living. And then it gives us, like, we can live with a lot or we can live with a little. We can live full or we can live empty. Either way, we're good. I can, ha- I can live this way or I can live that way. In other words, God, if you give me this, I'm okay. And God, if you give me that, I'm okay. Be satisfied. Yep, the secret is to be satisfied. Another word for satisfied, you have a choice. You can live this way or this way. Which, what do you have to do? Whatever's given to you, what do you have to do? Oh, wait. You have to be content. What else? Make a choice. Yep. And what is your choice? Ah, who said that? Wave your hand. Good job. Accept it. You're going to either accept what God sends or you're going to, what's the opposite? Reject, Reject it, right? It. And if you accept it, I love Amy Carmichael. She says, in acceptance lies peace. You have little? Thank you, Jesus. You have much? Thank you, Jesus. However, you feel full? Thank you, God. You feel empty? Thank you, God. Charlene. It helps to accept it when you go, go back to the basic fundamentals and know that God loves you. And he, what was the second part of that? that he's only going to give you what's best. He knows what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Father knows what's best for you, doesn't he? <laughs> Susie, I okay. want to read what um, I like the Amplified. Awesome. Um, it says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Ah, you, I like that. It mm-hmm. all comes from him. Yes. You're ready for anything and everything. Okay. Shauna, read the reflect and respond. Okay. Please. Na- <laughs> <laughs> Naomi blamed her misfortune on God. She said that God had dealt very bitterly with me. However, God's word tells us, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? 
can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Romans 2, 4. In other words, God does this for our own good. Like a loving father that disciplines his daughter, so also our heavenly father will at times discipline us. Search your heart and ask yourself if you are willing to submit to the Lord's gentle reprimand if it, if it means you will be better and not bitter in return. Share your thoughts. Okay, so that's a think to yourself. Tuck it in your heart. You have an answer for that. I'm not going to have you publicly share that. Uh, we'll finish up by just a, a, a last few thoughts. First of all, what are some lessons that we can learn? Now we've studied both Ruth and Naomi together, right? And they have a relationship separate from each other with God and their circumstances, but they're very intertwined, their lives. What can we learn from them? Does anything stick out to you? Does anything plant in your mind? What did, what did Ruth do um, when Naomi became bitter? How did she react to, to Naomi? Do you know? Does it say? Who said that? Ah, she reached out in love. What mm -hmm. else did Ruth do for Naomi? Bitter people are not fun people to be around. Can I just <laughs> tell you? But what did Ruth do with, the, with Naomi? She stayed with her. She stuck with her. She hung in there with her. Mm -hmm. Whoa, is that awesome? The word says in uh, Thessalonians that we're to comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So if there's a Mara in your life, if there is a not-so-pleasant <laughs> person to be with, how should you treat them? What should be your response or reaction to them? Love. Okay, Shauna? What What's it? To love, I, that's what stood out to me, is that above all else, you know, to love, that's what God, that's his call on, upon our lives. Mm -hmm. And if we do that for others, it's automatically going to take us to taking our eyes off of ourself. Yeah. And then um, through our actions, that person is going to see something they may want. Yeah, amen. Neen. She said not to give up on them. Don't give up on people so easily. If Christ didn't give up on us, we ought not to give up on others. And if he says in the scripture that we've read tonight, he'll strengthen you. I can do all things through Christ. Loving and walking alongside struggling people is one of those all things. And maybe, just maybe, God's asking you to stand with someone until they win. Because in the end, did Naomi win? Yeah, you betcha. She, I think definitely her life got turned around. But there was, I'm sure, a time that Naomi wanted to say to her, hey, I'm grieving too. Listen, <laughs> you need to be nice to me or something of that nature. So I think God sometimes, if you could just look at their relationship and how the story unfolds. And Ruth did what this bitter lady told her to do. She, she just hung in there. But God turned the tables and turned the story, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, hand over here. Yeah. Okay, she was Amara. Why are you moving away from her? Jocelyn, they're moving away from you. No, I'm kidding. No, probably all of us could say that at some point, right? 
Before she came to Jesus, she was a Mara. Okay. Jesus has blessed her so much. Her coming to the Lord was her salvation. There was a time in her life she was playing the blame game. Anybody ever do that? And we look at everybody around us and see all their faults, and she was doing it to the place she almost destroyed her family. But God, but right, God. Jocelyn? Yep. Well, <laughs> okay. I won't repeat all that. That was for us in this audience. I can't grab it all. So, uh, but God has done a marvelous work in Jocelyn's life. I've witnessed it, and He will continue with you, Jocelyn, to to love you and show you and and help you. Okay. So, sometimes we're called to be a Ruth to Naomi's in our life. True. So I don't know. Maybe that's a challenge to some of you tonight. And um, let's see. Anybody else have anything that sticks out to them in the lesson? Way back there, and then I'll go to you. She says James 4.10 really spoke to her to help her. Be humble, and the Lord will lift you up. Absolutely. Good point. When you're humble, you can't be bitter. You know, you just, you bow before the Lord, you just lay it, and it's, it's his to sort out. Hang on one, I'm going to go all the way back there, but you're going to have to take your mask down and give it to me. So she's saying usually she looks at the story and you, you hear about Ruth and Boaz, Ruth and Boaz, that's, and she's looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah, she's saying, you know, just spoke to her heart, and I'm going to summarize it, but um, about really not giving up on people so quickly, but staying with them. Okay? All right. Well, you guys have done good, even in the chilly cold. More. Oh, who do I have? Bye-bye, Laura. Yeah. She's saying, show kindness. The kindness that you give to others will always come back on you. Yeah. And they're amening her and saying it does. Moana. Uh, yeah, be patient. It's a big part of it. You know, we're not the Holy Spirit in each other's lives, right? So it, I love that Moana brought that up because we have to give the Spirit of God time 
to work in each other and accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And sometimes we just want to squeeze out the bitterness out of someone or fix them or tell them to be nice. But just give God time and be patient because he is at work. Uh, Doris. She had a right to, oh, to leave her mother-in-law, yeah. Okay, I love it. Just because we're right doesn't make us righteous. And sometimes with the Lord, we have to give up our right to be right. You know, instead of pressing that you're right and you're right, you're right, it's sometimes just back off and let God do it. But, you know, we're accomplishers. We're go-getters. But sometimes I think the Lord just saying, just back off. Let your hands go and let God work and give him time to work. Yeah, love it. Okay, anybody else? You have done great. Nini's going to come up here. She's going to close in prayer. Um, it's chilly, so we're not going to belabor our time here. Shauna, how'd she do, girls? <laughs> hey, they like you. Yay. But whether they like you or they don't like you, you're going to serve the Lord, right? Amen. <laughs> okay, Nini, ha here, they're all yours. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for just another night of sitting before you and just allowing you to um, hear your word, Lord, and to hear what you would have for us, Lord. I know that you have spoken to each, each of us personally, Lord. I pray that we would take that nugget, Lord, and that we would apply application. And Father, um, I just pray for anyone here who may be struggling with bitterness. Father, I pray that you would just um, speak um, to her personally and, Lord, lovingly show her, Lord, that um, that's, not, that's not where we need to stay. And, Lord, I, I hope that just the feedback and the different answers, Lord, were helpful. So, Father, would you lead us um, through the week? And should you tarry, Lord, bring us out again. And, Father, though it was cold, Lord, I thank you that you um, brought ev everybody that's here, you brought us out. And, Lord, I pray that you would take us home safely. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.